Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Well, as we say every single week here, there is a lot going on. And I, first of all, want to thank all of you for listening in. It's really, uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to have this platform. I never take it for granted. And I know you have lots of things you can be listening to. And the fact that you're listening to Lieutenant Joe here on Chasing Justice on the America Out Loud radio network, I want to thank you for that. There's other amazing shows here as well. So if you just tune in for me, I'm going to tell you, hang on, listen to what comes before me, listen to what comes after me, listen to what goes on the weekend. Amazing shows. It's really a free speech platform that is unrivaled anywhere. So what do we want to talk about? Well, we're going to get into all the craziness that's going on in our world, the bitter division of our country. I've never seen anything like this before. I know after uh, President Trump was elected, a lot of us lost friends and family members over our connections to uh, whether you voted for Trump or you voted conservative or you voted liberal. And it's just, it's really a terrible thing. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it continues. So I'm going to start with something a little bit different. First of all, uh, I want to tell you an amazing story, right? An amazing story of good hope because there's a lot of other stuff out there that's not so hopeful. But this is an amazing story that I was privileged to hear directly from the person who it affected. So I was at a uh, trade show recently, and one of the men that I work with uh, saw a guy walk in the door, and he goes, oh, I know this guy. I used to work with him. I have to go talk to him. Uh, he had a terrible tragedy in his family, and, uh, you know, I, I can't not go say hi to the guy, but, man, I, it's really terrible. Well, we're what? We're asking what? What was the terrible tragedy? Well, three years ago, his 10-year-old son was playing on a trampoline. Uh, it, had, it had the cage all the way around it, you know, all the safety things that are supposed to be there. And the kid was jumping. Somebody was throwing him a football, you know, and he was bouncing, trying to get real high and catch the football and come down and then jump up and throw it back. You know, fun, fun, fun things that do. Kids, the kids do fun things, right? So the kid's doing that. And apparently he bounced and landed wrong. And he fell between the safety, uh, safety cage and the trampoline. He broke his neck and he was paralyzed from the neck down completely at 10 years old. This was the terrible tragedy that befell this family. So as you can imagine, uh, this young family is it was devastated, and now they're trying to get all the help they can for their son. You know, is there anything that they can do? They're seeing doctors, they're seeing neurologists, and this goes on for a couple of years. You know, this this search for hope until basically they were told, "This is going to be it. Your son will be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life at 10 years old." How horrible. Now, you hear about these things, right? You hear about these things, people diving in the water. I go to the beach, and I, and I see people running and diving in this shallow water. You say, you don't realize the sandbar's right there, right? You, ugh, it's terrible when this happens to people. But anyway, this happened to this young 10-year-old boy. Now, some time goes by, and now the family is trying to figure out, okay, what can we do to our house to make the house more accommodating to the, the young man, you know, for wheelchairs and, and all the equipment that he has to have and you know, rearranging the room so that he's on the first floor. And, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's a huge expense emotionally and then a huge expense financially. And they're trying to figure out how they can, um, 
how they can make this work. Well, as they're putting the plans together, about six months ago, they go into the see the boy. The father goes in to see his son to talk to him, and he sees he sees movement down by the kid's feet under the blankets in the bed. And it's, he says he was just standing there staring at it. And he says, what's going on? He said, and the kid looked up and he goes, I can feel my toe and I can move my toe. Now, he couldn't move anything else, but he could move his left big toe. And the father was, he didn't know what to think. He says, what do you mean? He pulls the covers back and there's the kid wiggling his, his big toe. And he, and he says, do you feel your leg? He says, I don't feel a leg. I don't feel this, but I, I can move my toe. I can move my toe. Well, of course, immediately to the doctors, off they go. Uh, all these people start looking at the kid, and they're, they're saying this is, this is unbelievable. Uh, but it shows that, you know, th there maybe there's some hope, right? Within six months of him wiggling his big toe, the boy got out of bed, and he's walking around now. He's He's... He still has some injury, obviously, but he's no longer paralyzed from the neck down. He can walk around, use his hands, use his feet. He got his life back. And when this, this young man was telling us this story, all of us, you know, a bunch of grown men standing on the floor at a trade show, just absolutely overwhelmed by this. And I said to the guy, what an amazing blessing. And he looked at me and he was crying. He goes, it is. We prayed every single day for hope, for something to help my son. And God responded to our prayers. Well, you want to see, you know, four men standing around crying uh, at a trade show. Uh, I guess maybe they thought the prices were way up or something. Somebody walking by. What an amazing, amazing story of hope. You never know. And the power of prayer. So it was, it was an absolute privilege to, to meet this man and to see the excitement in his in his face and to see him tell this story, um, I, I just was overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed, and I'm glad to tell you the story. So let's just put it that way. I'm glad to tell you the story. All right, so that was wonderful. Something else that I saw that I thought was pretty amazing recently. Now, I'm not a royal watcher. I don't, I don't watch the royals. Uh, you know, I find royalty to be a pretty much outdated mode of governance. Uh, you know, you got a king and you got a queen and you got the, all these princes and stuff. I don't really follow all that drama, you know. And, you know, I guess for the people of the United Kingdom, it's a it's a source of pride for them, uh, the, the royal family. And when you see all the nonsense going on with the royal family uh, all the time, there always seems to be some kind of drama uh, that just seems, you know, a bunch of spoiled, rotten people. They don't work. They go to events. They show up. They wave their hands. They live in luxury. You know, it's somebody so somebody was telling me, it's interesting, though, when you look at all of the major problems that the royal family has had, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, who, you know, God rest her soul, just passed away, she rose to the throne when her uncle, who was supposed to be the king, abdicated because he fell in love with an American woman. And that caused all kinds of consternation, in, you know, in, a, in the royal line. And then she became the queen at 25 years old. Well, you look back and you, you say, okay, now what happened here? Well, look at uh, Prince Harry. This guy, he marries an American woman. And look at all the, the, the problems that they're having, you know, with the public and the way people see them and all that. So I find it, I found it interesting, you know, uh, the whole funeral thing is what I'm talking about. 
And like I said, I, I don't I don't follow the royals. I don't care who's dating who. I don't care who's doing what. But they are a uh, they're important in the world, I guess, because the the world does watch them. I mean, you look at Princess Diana, how much people loved her, the outpouring of love for her, uh, the care about her, and now all this you know this this crazy drama about these people. But this is where the story turns. I saw that you know the queen the queen recently passed away. And they were setting up this uh, this funeral situation for her. And there was going to be this procession. And because they're five hours ahead, it was going to be on, I guess it was on at, at 6.30 in the morning. And I happened to flip on the news and every channel was, uh, was on the news, was following this procession. And I said, okay, well, you know what? It is a historic event, uh, whether we like it or not, uh, whether you're a follower of the, the royal family and all those royal people. It is a historic event. We have a, we have a queen who has reigned longer than any other monarch in, in the history of the United Kingdom. That's a, a pretty big deal, you know, when it comes to that, because, and here's, here's, where, here's where I started to get drawn into watching this procession, was because it's the history of it. You know, it's the history of it. As, as I watched and I realized this queen, she took, she took uh, the, the throne um, 70 years ago when our country and the world was in a completely different place, right? A completely different place. Uh, the technology that exists now did not exist then. The transportation didn't exist. The, the, the way information flows and, and all the things that have gone on in the world in the past 70 years is amazing that she was the monarch that entire time. And I'm a history buff. I love history. You know, uh, I, I love learning about history and, and seeing how people did things. And so th that's, that's really the draw I had to this. So here I am watching this procession. And here are all these people um, starting to come up the road. They're coming up the road. Uh, and they have, you know, everybody, a lot of people on horseback. You got soldiers, you got uh, Air Force people, you got Army people. And they have, you know, pretty amazing looking uniforms and but it was the history of this. I realized as I'm watching and I'm listening to this music, this steady drum beat and the band playing, I guess not, it wasn't really a dirge, but it was certainly a funeral procession. You could tell by the, the, uh, the chord structure and the sound, you know, it had some sadness to it, but some strength and power. And I'm watching this as I'm getting dressed uh, to go uh, to my event. And I, I noticed that Everyone in line, all the soldiers, everybody, was were walking in lockstep. And this procession was like a mile long, I think they said it was. And I'm watching them. And, you know, in the American soldiers, when, when our people march, you know, they march straight up and down. You know, they got to march. Then you see other countries where they stick the leg way out. Each step is the big leg way out. Well, watching the, the British um, troops and, and royal family and everybody, they, they seem to be uh, like a step, to, a lean to the left, then a lean to the right, then a lean to the left, then a lean to the right. And they were all doing it in pretty much unison, the entire uh, column that was marching up this place. It was a beautiful day. If you didn't watch it, you know, the sun had come out and, and I, was, I was caught up in the history of what I was watching, realizing that this queen who just passed away, and now they're going through this process um, of her burial, this royal burial, and the ascendance to the throne of a, of a new king, 
uh, and descendants of all the other people in his line that got new titles. Historically, it was amazing because this is exactly what has been done uh, over there as they changed leadership of, of the king or the queen, whoever took over, for hundreds and hundreds of years. The ceremony was pretty much basically the same. So watching, watching this event in 2022 was very similar, in my mind anyway, to watching uh, when King Henry VIII died and they had a procession for him and watching back into the 1500s. You know, that's, that's the one link to history. Just like Queen Elizabeth II was linked to all the history of our modern times. I mean, she was there for the whole, whole for most of it anyway. But to realize that the entire procession we were seeing, the, the event that was unfolding, regardless of who the monarchs are, is what has been done for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I found that amazing to just watch it and realize that they're going to lay her to rest with other kings and other queens and other historical figures is who they are, uh, regardless of, of their position. They're historical figures. And she's going to be laid to rest there. And 200 years from now, there'll be another king or queen who is laid to rest. You know what I mean? So the history goes behind us. And then what their pomp and circumstance and all that goes forward into the future. Which I have to say, that's, that's one of the things that um, I, I was over in Ireland and Northern Ireland and, and on a vacation a couple years ago. And you start to see the history you know, here's, here's where this town has been here since, uh, I, we ate in a pub that's been there since uh, 1305. And here we are sitting in this pub having a beer, and now there's electric in the pub, but it's the same exact building. I'm looking at the bricks and the, and the rock that was, this place was made of, and you see um, there, was, there was people sitting here in the 1300s drinking a beer just like I was. You see, I, I get passionate over this because I find it so interesting to be connected to be connected to our past and our and our future. Uh, as far as what the royals were doing uh, in that event uh, as they were marching along, I, I don't care so much for their drama, but it was interesting to see the historical element. You had the two brothers. Uh, you have uh, King Charles III there, who who now at 73 has become the king. So you got to figure, uh, you know, how long is he going to live? Another 20 years he'll maybe be the king? And then behind him, walking alongside him, was his two sons, uh, the heir apparent, who would be William. Prince William will be the next king. He's the next in line. Uh, and then Harry. Now, William was dressed in his military regalia uh, because that's, you know, you're showing you, you supported your country. The king stood for the country. The princes stand for the country. They'll fight for the country. Oh, that's all good. I get that. I like it. But here's Harry, who couldn't wear his military stuff because of his behavior and his marriage and all the things that he's doing to goof up his family. But he had all these medals on his jacket when he's marching along. And you, you know all this drama's going on behind, behind the scenes. But watching King Charles III now, um, you could see the look in his eye was like, holy moly, uh, I'm the king now. I got to do all the king stuff. And apparently his schedule is, is very rigorous and they, they do go a lot of places and do a lot of things. But watching William, watching him, I mean, he took it. 100% serious. I mean, he was marching, uh, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Was he looking and going, okay, my father's 73. Um, if he lives 20 more years till he's 93, uh, I'll be marching in his place, taking my place in history 
as the next king. Uh, and I'll be doing this, and my father will be laying up there in a coffin. We'll be going to lay him to rest, as as you know, the king of the king of uh, the United Kingdom, England, Britain, whatever you want to call him. And the conversation that uh, Kathleen and I were having, my wife and I were talking about this, because uh, I, I was just, I can't say transfixed by it, but I realized that I was watching a moment in history. I'm, I'm actually actually watching something uh, in history. And it just happened to be the royals uh, and, and a king. And that's a pretty big deal, uh, even if he's really not like a king like back in the day. But it's a historical event. And I, I was really taken by it, by the pomp and the circumstance and the history. The history, you know, who these people are and how they, they fall into um, they fall into line as the next ones to take on this uh, type of work or whatever it is that they have to do. So I found that interesting. Uh, I think the queen, you know, as the queens go, I guess she was pretty good. She seemed to be a, a decent enough person. I know there's a lot of consternation uh, out there uh, among the Irish because of, uh, you know, Northern Ireland being part of the, the British crown and not being free Ireland. Uh, my father-in-law, Ted, uh, Ted, how are you? Ted's a big fan here of America Out Loud and Chasing Justice. And, uh, you know, Ted is a, uh, an Irish citizen and an American citizen. He has dual citizenship, and he cares and loves the country of Ireland. And he really knows the history of all the negative things uh, that have been done by the British over the years to, uh, to keep a hold of Ireland. Uh, and, you know, all the, the different historical, political uh, things that have gone on there. So watching all of that, uh, I, I'm connecting, you know, the Queen to history across the world for past 70 years. I'm watching the procession connect us back hundreds of years to our history. And then I'm thinking about Ted, who, who is uh, 89 years old, and Ted is connected to all that same history even more in Ireland and in the United States. So it, it was just a very, very interesting thing to see. I was glad I saw it, um, but then I moved on. But I wanted to talk about it for a few minutes because what I think... I also saw in that, in seeing the, the majesty of it all, so to speak, um, seeing the, the different armies and the power that was there, you start to realize that this is you know, a view of where Western civilization came from, good or bad. You know, I'm not going to get into that about it. But the fact was they had giant militaries. They had giant navies. Um, they had wars across Europe going back, you know, thousands of years, and the royal uh, families that ruled across Europe have their roots deep into this history, and here they are, right in front of us. We're seeing it yet again. We're seeing history played out before our eyes. So I don't want to, I don't want to go on and on and on about it. I just found it amazing. Um, and I really don't care too much about the royals, but uh, I found this event to be really cool. So I wanted to talk about that. Well, while we're talking about international personages, uh, let's turn around and take a look at uh, our man Vlad, uh, Mr. Putin over there in Russia. Uh, now he's threatening nuclear war. You know, where, where have we come when, when you don't have a strong, powerful America to kind of stand on the world stage? Uh, you start to see people like this Putin uh, be able to start mouthing off making threats, doing things that they would never do if America was uh, as strong as it should be. Unfortunately, uh, under President Biden, uh, we know that he's a frail, older man. 
We know that he he's he, he can't he can't put two sentences together. Uh, you know, uh, we all see the problems with this guy. He does not inspire fear in any of our enemies. Nobody is concerned about what Joe Biden would do. Uh, now he may do something stupid out of fear. You know, people when they when they react out of fear, fear does a lot of things to people. You know, uh, when I teach about the fear response, fight, flight, or freeze type of thing, it, it comes down to everything that everyone does. And for Mr. Biden, as the president, he has the safety and security of not just America, but really the whole world. If he does or says the wrong thing at the wrong time, he could start an event that we can't pull back. So now we have Putin threatening to use nuclear war, uh, nuclear weapons in Ukraine because he must be completely humiliated. Uh, here he is, big bad Russia, you know, supposed to be the one of the world's greatest superpowers, and the people of Ukraine are, are beating, beating them back, beating them back badly. Now, in the long run, the Russians have more money, they have more uh, weaponry, they have more things. They, they could also get very brutal, but that's the, I think that's the part where he's saying, hey, uh, anybody gets out of line, you keep giving weapons to these people so that we can't beat them. He needs to save face. I'll, I'll, I'll use everything at my disposal, which is a veiled way of saying I'll use tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield. I will wipe out uh, Kiev. I will do whatever. He is threatening the entire world. And the response to that is Joe Biden. Now, this is the moment where I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I don't care who you are, conservative, liberal, progressive, whatever you want to call yourself. This is the moment where we see the need for a strong, powerful leader that is competent, that it has their wits about them. You know, uh, it might be a nice, uh, you know, old Sleepy Joe or whatever they call him, a nice guy. But now he is the one that's going to try and protect our country and basically the world from these aggressive uh, new Axis powers of Russia and, uh, and China, which are, are, they're teaming up, they're doing exercises. Their goal is to wipe the United States out, long and short of it. I think that's clearly what it is, to take over as the power position, as uh, the preeminent powers in the world with the United States on a decline. And when we look at our country, we see the president we have, we see the policies we have, we see our country in decline financially, militarily, uh, I saw an article the other day, they're talking about the military being being drained of personnel, first of all, because they wouldn't get vaxxed, so uh, they threw a lot of people out, uh, a lot of other people didn't join, they can't, they can't get recruitment going uh, to join the military, it has become a woke place instead of serving its purpose, which is to protect our country, it is now a social uh, experiment place. Uh, which, of course, just weakens it, just weakens it, weakens it, weakens it. And when we are weak, other people see that and they will take advantage of weakness. That is the history of strong versus weak. Strong will always try to take advantage of weakness when they see it. When you have a strong American president with the greatest military in the world and you have a capable American president who doesn't pull any punches, a Ronald Reagan uh, type of person, even a Donald Trump, who made it very clear to the world, you will do the right thing or you'll face the consequences. That's not dictatorial. That's a guy standing up for us. That's a guy putting America first. Oh my God, could you imagine that? 
and we happen to be a benevolent nation, right? We don't use our military to go take over people, right? So America, if America is strong, the world will remain in its best opportunity to have peace. You will keep evil governments and evil leaders at bay because they don't want to get destroyed. When you have a weak American president that displays his weakness all the time, then other countries will do things that they wouldn't normally do. It's really very simple. It's nothing, it's nothing political. It's a reality of how the world works, how people deal with each other. Uh, so I, I found that interesting, that, that new thing of Putin saying he, he would use everything at his disposal, insinuating he would use nuclear weapons, which we haven't really heard for a long time. Now he's, he's going into, uh, I think he's going to start conscription again. He's going to start dragging people in from different parts of his empire because he needs people. He's, he's losing the battle in Ukraine. And it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's costing him billions of dollars. Uh, he's threatened uh, to turn off the gas to Western Europe, a bunch of idiots who rely on a, on a dictator like that when they could have went with the United States. Oh, yeah, we shut down our stuff too here, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, because of policy. Um, we have to import oil from, from these enemies around the world. You know, if these people ever really got together and had any brains and a good leader among them, uh, I'm talking about the bad guys in the world, the bad girls and guys in the world, the Axis power, the new Axis powers. If they actually got together and said, you know what? Um, let's shut down all the oil to America. Don't give them any oil. Don't sell them nothing. Shut them down. Choke us out. What would we do? Well, if we had a leader who cared about the country and had foresight, we'd realize that, sure, green energy is good. I'm all for green energy. I think reusable renewables is great when we can develop the technology that it's really, really usable. Look at California. Green, 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 green. No, no, no uh, internal combustion engines. Oh, but uh, then they send out messages. Uh, turn your air conditioner to 78 and don't charge your electric cars. Our grid can't handle it. Clearly, we are not prepared to take the step to the green world. And therefore, we shouldn't take it now. We should be working on it in the background. We should be trying to make electric cars that don't go 300 miles, but that can go a thousand miles, like my car can, when you fill it up with gas and I run it from one end of the country to the other, right? This is clearly what the world is seeing, that America is in decline. And that is very sad, not just for me and for all of us out there, but for our children and our grandchildren. What kind of world are we leaving to them? We're leaving to them a world that is, is not safe, that is confusing to everyone, all our traditions are shot down. We're removing God from everything. And you see the result. It's crystal clear. We can see the result, what all these kind of things do. And everyone wants to deny it. Everyone wants to say, it's a better world when we're doing this, that, and the other thing. No, it's not a better world. Right? Parents have no control over what their children are taught in school. Now, I don't care what kind of parents you are and what you want your kid taught. That's fine. It's up to your community. It's up what, to you as a parent what you want your child taught. So if your community wants A, B, and C taught, that's great. If your community wants D, E, and F taught, that's great. It goes by the community, not by people just making decisions that are out of the hands of the parents. They should be responsive to the parents. See what I mean? I could go round and round with this, but in a minute, I'll be back. Uh, so we're going to take a little bit of break, and then we'll come back for round two here on Chasing Justice, and we have a lot more to talk about. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. 
Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications. America out loud talk radio. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back, everybody. Chasing Justice here with Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Round two. So, I was leaving off in, in the last segment. We were talking about the changes in our country and, uh, you know, and just all the things that you can, you can point to directly. There is now an easy case to be made to anyone who will open their eyes, open their ears, open their minds and look and say, what is the better way for our country to run? Okay, is it a more conservative way? Is that a better way? Or is it the more liberal way? Well, we currently now uh, have uh, the complete liberal uh, world that they want. They're in charge of everything. They have all the power. They have all the money. They make all the rules. And we can look around at our world and see the result. Now, you might not like that, you might be a person who is a good, decent person, and you happen to feel that being progressive is a better way to be. And I get that. I, like I've said how many times, I have lots of friends and family who are on the left, and they are good and decent people. I think the, the difference is when you have good and decent people who believe whatever it is that they believe, and they are used by the people who wield the power, which I think we see in, in our, our democratic leadership or progressive liberal leadership, they used the decency and goodness of the people who want to be good and do good things and everybody get along, which is all great, but they use them and they manipulate them with the media, they manipulate them with every opportunity that they can. You know, now we see uh, the, the corporate oligarchs, the, the social media world that everyone is on, everyone gets their information from now. We see them going full-blown left, uh, heading towards socialism. 
and we, we have a clear picture now of what it looks like when we go that way. We have gasoline at 4 and $5 a gallon. We got food, the basic staples of life to feed yourself, uh, 20 and 30% higher in some instances. We see housing markets. We see with all this pumping out of this free cash we did during the pandemic, we now see it all coming home to roost. And we're seeing interest rates now 6%, 7%. The housing market is done for the time being. There is a recession coming. Now, technically, we are in a recession. Nobody wants to say it. They just change the words. And when you're in charge of the power and the media, you can change the words and the meanings. And we've seen them do that. But it doesn't help us. It doesn't help our country. We are in a bad situation. We are in decline, right? Uh, how many thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs in all kinds of industries because they wouldn't take an experimental vaccine? Now, you can like it. You can think it's great. You can want to take it, think it's the be all and end all. But not everyone did. And there are people who had problems physical problems after they died. I know people had strokes, young people that had strokes and their doctors told them it was probably from the, uh, from a booster. We have, we have destroyed many of our rights, free speech. Me even saying a thing like that, that people had a stroke. They had bad times over these, over the vaccine. There were people who want to shut me down. I shouldn't be allowed to say it. I should be arrested for false information. But actually there's lots and lots of, of, uh, documentation available that these vaccines for COVID were some of the most dangerous vaccines that ever came out. Didn't affect everyone. Of course it didn't. But when you see a number, and this is this I'm going to be guessing a little bit at of what I remember. When you see a thing like uh, when they come out with a new vaccine and it results in 50 serious injuries or deaths to people, it's pulled off the market when there's 50 across the whole country right? The vaccines we have out there, there have been hundreds of deaths, hundreds of permanent injuries to people. Nobody talks about it because you're not allowed to talk about it because your free speech has been silenced. And if you think that's a good thing, then you're not really in favor of, of living in America where we have rights, right? We see our rights being taken away from us in just that way. Don't you dare say it. So right now we're looking at a big election coming up, right? And they're saying that in the summer, uh, it looked like a red wave. It was going to be a gigantic red wave, uh, 60 seats in the House, take the Senate by five or six. And now they're going, well, well, not so much. As it's getting closer, maybe not really a red wave. Maybe maybe might take the House of Representatives by one or two, but probably not going to take the Senate. And they're finding that in the polling, uh, that maybe there are a lot of Republican conservative types of people who are not being honest when it comes to polls. And why would that be? Why would people not tell a pollster what they really believe and think? Well, let's just look around. What are we seeing every day on the news? We're seeing free speech being uh, stymied. We are seeing people have search warrants issued on them because they, they talked up against the vaccine. We are seeing people's cell phones taken off of them because they had, uh, they had a phone conversation with somebody about they didn't like the election, how it came out. And we're seeing this crackdown from the left, the tyrannical socialist left, on people on the right. That's who they're targeting. And people see that. And they say, you know what? I, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I don't want nobody looking at me. I don't want nobody coming after me. I'm just going to be quiet. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to that are more conservative that have voiced that fear. 
that they're afraid. I've asked people to come on the radio show here and discuss some topics with me. And they're like, listen, I don't, I don't want to get involved. I don't want my name out there. I don't want anybody coming after me. These are real feelings people have, real concerns that people have. Now, if that's true or not, I guess we, we have to weigh that out. We do see evidence of it right in front of our face every single day. But maybe it's not as bad as it, as it seems, but it feels really bad. Is that is that how we're supposed to live here in America? That it feels like the government might come and get you? Now, I don't necessarily feel that way, but I'm not stupid either. You know what I mean? I see things are, uh, they're not what they used to be. Free speech is not what it used to be. Say what you want, right? Well, actually, I guess if, if free speech is not what it used to be, you can't really say what you want. That's an interesting point and turn of phrase. But the reality is, say whatever you want about it. The reality is, we're seeing this. We're seeing evidence of this in front of us. We're seeing lying by the greatest law enforcement agency in the world, the FBI, to judges. We're seeing the politicians. And one of my things on my pages of outrages here that I have is, do you ever notice that these people that are supposed to be our leaders on both sides of the party, whatever it is, they never answer an actual question? They don't answer a question. You ask them, could you tell me, is the sun shining or is the sun not shining? Well, you got to understand that the way we look at the world is that uh, the people have to decide on multiple different things. It's a very optional kind of a world, and we're trying to do the best we can. And, and Joe Biden's great, and everything he does is excellent. The, you never get an answer. You, you can chase them around the table. Could you please answer my question? Is the sun out right now or not? Look out the window and tell me. Well, you got to understand construction of windows and this and that can be. Certainly, we can look at that in the future and decide how we can make. They never answer a damn question. And we don't get the answers that we need to make decisions. You see? What do I always talk about here? It's about policy, not about people. It's about policy. What are the policies that people are dealing with? Why can't you just... Tell the truth, because you know what? You really have a hidden agenda. You want to do something else. And therefore, you just say whatever the nonsense is. And if you're backed up by the media and backed up by the social media and you're backed up by everything out there, you could tell a lie a million times. And it becomes the truth. It becomes what people will spout back at you later on. You know, I like to watch these... Um, like Charlie Kirk or one of these guys, they go around and they ask questions. You know, they set up somewhere and they ask college kids questions. They say, you know what, uh, uh, here I'm here today to have a conversation with you. Because isn't that what we hear all the time? We should talk about this. We should talk things out. Well, you should only talk things out if you have the same exact opinion as the people on the left. If, if you don't have that opinion, then there's no talking. Then they call you names. So they, I, I watched this. He's standing here, Charlie Kirk, and he's talking. He's something about about free speech, uh, or about the border, the dangers at the border. And this, this college girl, this college girl comes walking up to him and you're a racist and a hater and I'm not listening to you. And she starts to turn around and walk away and he goes, what are you talking about? Why am I a racist and a hater? Cause I want to have a conversation about what's going on at the border. And she's, well, you know, you are, we all know you are, and you shouldn't be here speaking. You shouldn't be here. Bye -bye. And, and away they go. And you say, what the heck was that all about? Uh, how about having some facts, some specifics? Because you're concerned about what's going on at the border and the open border and how that damages a nation. Nothing to do with the people. The people that are coming here, I think the vast majority of them just want a better life. 
You can't blame them. They want a better life than where they live. They want to come to America. Of course, that doesn't mean that they can just come here, right? That's that's the whole argument, not about who the people are or where they're from. It's about you can't just have millions of people joining our society when they don't have things to offer, when they have to take things from the society. Now, yes, many of them will start businesses. Many of them will do great things. But we don't even know who they are. We don't, do you know, I, I saw this, uh, this, is, this is an excellent uh, segue into this. So far in the year of 2022, 78 known people on the terrorist watch list have been identified coming across the border. 78 known terrorist people have come across the southern border. Now, we know that it's been 2 million people this year came across the border, and they estimate there's probably about 800,000 gotaways. Those are people that we didn't stop and identify. They ran away out through the desert or whatever and disappeared into the country. If we got 78 terrorists, how many do you think we missed in that other 800,000? Right now, there could be terror cells setting up in our country, preparing to do something to us. Because currently, we are weak, right? We are weak, and people can, this might be the moment that they think they can take their revenge on us for, for the things we've done. Wiping out these terrorist leaders around the world, which is the right thing to do. Right? I give Biden credit for that. He, he, he had a shot and he took the shot. You got to get rid of these terrorist leaders because they will hurt you and kill you. Right? But how many people do you think want to have revenge on us now? And we got a wide open border. And why do we have a wide open border? Well, I don't know. I watched a, an interview. They asked the vice president, Kamala Harris. I said, is the border secure? Now, here's the answer. I'm the vice president. Joe's the vice president right now. And we're in charge of, I'm in charge of border security. And uh, the, I'm asked that question. Vice President Joe, is the border secure? Yes, the border is secure. We, we are preventing many, many people from entering the country. Uh, we, have, uh, we have our border patrol down there. We have a fence on the wall, uh, the wall built down there so that people can be funneled into certain areas so that we can see who is coming and that they come the right way. That's an answer. That's a real answer. But she says, uh, Ms. Vice President, uh, is the border secure? The border is secure, as any nation has a border with turkey sandwiches and has to have people come in. It's on Thursdays, and it says, and that's the way it should be. It's a word salad of nonsense, because anybody with eyes in their head and ears in their head and a brain can see that we have a wide open border. People are pouring over eight hundred thousand people, and that's an estimate. It could be two million got across the border that we didn't see their gotaways. Those are the ones that we saw and they ran away and got away. What about the ones that we didn't see? Who are they? What are they doing here? What are their plans? Not all of them. You know, for all of you you in your in your basement, in your underwear taking notes about Lieutenant Joe, go listen to the other podcasts. What I've said many, many times is I think most of the people coming are coming for a better life. And I think that's that they're trying to have a better life. But there are people out there that have nefarious means, that are criminals. Now I'm hearing that some of these prisons in Central America, the governments are releasing, like the Mariel boat left with uh, what Cuba did uh, back in the 70s, and released their prisoners and their mental patients and sent them to America. 
that people in Central America are emptying their prisons now and sending all those, hey, we don't have to care for them anymore. We don't have to feed them. We have to take care of them. We don't have to put them in jail. Get rid of them. Send them to America. Now, that can be documented. A real investigation, a news reporter out there uh, can go and investigate that and find out if that's true. But they won't because it damages the policy that they want. They want open borders. They want to bring in all of these people that they assume will vote for them the minute they make them American citizens. And that's the plan. You could, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy. Then why would you let all those people just cross your border and come to the country? Now, we see what um, Governor DeSantis did and Governor Abbott, what he's doing, sending people from these border towns where they're overwhelmed, their services, their lives, their communities. You can see it usually only on Fox News or Newsmax. You can actually see video of what's going on down there, how these towns are inundated with people that have all kinds of needs. They need food. They need shelter. They need uh, uh, physical, physical medications. They need things. They don't have anything. They're walking across the border into these towns, and these towns are overwhelmed. But DeSantis... And, and uh, Governor Abbott sends some busloads of people into liberal uh, sanctuary cities and these people lose their minds. You can't inundate us like that. You Well, what about President Biden sending, I think the number is seven or 900 uh, of these midnight flights, unknown, unmarked aircraft landing in, in airports all across the United States with lots and lots of these people who, who just marched across the border and they're releasing them into those communities. Not a word is said about that. But DeSantis sends 50 people to Martha's Vineyard and our, our liberal friends down there lose their minds. Call the military and have the people removed. Right in front of the sign that says, we are a sanctuary community. All migrants are welcome here. Until they actually show up. And that is why you're seeing our friends on the left lose their minds over these bus trips and airport trips um, with migrants. It is not being cruel to the migrants. Because Joe Biden would put them on an airplane and fly them to uh, Wisconsin. Or he would drop them off in Utah. Or drop them off in Connecticut somewhere. Or New Jersey or New York in the middle of the night. When he does it, not a word is said. But when these governors who, who have, have guts are exposing the hypocrisy of this policy in a very liberal bastion who would tell you, you should live with it, but they won't. That has got them infuriated. So now you're seeing we're going to look, this is kidnapping these poor innocent people. Well, what do you think you do when you stick them on a plane and you fly into Sheboygan and you make them get off the plane there and they have to try and figure out where they're going to eat and live and how they're going to function? What about that? What about those 700 plane loads of people? Did we see, would they, did they all go there voluntarily? Did they sign a document saying that they're willing to go to Sheboygan or to Utah or to New Jersey? Do we do any of that? Here, DeSantis says he has consent forms. He told the people where to go, and he gave him information about Massachusetts, gave him information about, uh, about uh, Martha's Vineyard, and sent them off. And we're seeing our friends on the left lose their minds over their hypocrisy being exposed. 
And I love uh, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. We can't do this. We don't have the resources for it. Well, do you think that the border towns in Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, do you think they have the resources for hundreds of thousands of people? You can't take 50. You think they have resources for hundreds of thousands of people going into the school system, the medical system, uh, needing housing, food. They have you know, various different kinds of skills. I'm sure some of them are very skilled and very uh, uh, educated, but many of them are not. And how do you help a population like that? Well, you don't just drop them off in a community. And that is what the Biden administration has been doing. And now when DeSantis and, uh, and Governor Abbott do it, suddenly it's the end of the world because they're dumped in liberal bastions where they don't want these people, right? They just didn't say the words. Behind the scenes, I'm sure they're saying the ugly words that they, they, they blame and, and, and accuse everyone else of saying. But I bet you they're saying those ugly words uh, in Martha's Vineyards. Uh, you know, uh, we, we don't need those people here. We can't take care of them. We don't have place for them. Get them out of here. Right? The hypocrisy is on display like I've never seen before. And of course the media doesn't report it. They won't talk about it. Could you imagine if this kind of hypocrisy was exposed of a Republican or of Trump? It would be nonstop, day and night. You'd have psychiatrists coming out. The hypocrisy is an is a, is a, is a element of a personality disorder of a person, blah, blah. And that's all you'd hear about day and night. This points to the decline of our country and the destruction of our free speech and other rights here in America. You don't have a right to speak up. You don't even have a right to ask a question about it because then you're a racist and a hater because that's all they got. They don't have truth on their side. When you look at our border, the border is, Madam Vice President, it is wide open because you take people's names and then put them on an airplane and fly them somewhere. That's not vetting someone. That's not checking out who they are. That's not understanding who those 800,000 gotaways are. That's not that. That's endangering our country, plain and simple. And is it right to those people, to the migrants that are coming here, to just ship them off somewhere where they have no connection to anything and have them just, uh, well, well go, go to Sheboygan and they'll find a house for you and a way to feed you? Is that a correct thing to do? It's not. This whole thing is corrupt and terrible. And you have to say, and why? The question, why? W-H-Y. Why would we engage in this? Why would we endanger our own citizens? Why would we tax our communities to the breaking point? And why would we take these people who are looking for a better life and dump them all over the country? There has to be a reason. Can't just be, because we're good, because we're better than you. Then why don't we just open up the entire country and say, everybody who's poor in the world, come here. Why don't we just do that? Well, we don't do that because there's a reason behind this. And I believe that the reason is uh, our friends on the left see lots and lots, millions of new voters to keep them in power. I think it's as simple as that. I think it's really as simple as that. The, the only bright side there uh, for, for our country, not for our parties or this and that, for our country, is that I think many, many of the people that are coming from, from South American countries have a tendency to be religious and really conservative at heart. And when they get here, 
they, they, they don't want to go liberal. They don't want to have, you know, their kids in school. They don't want their churches destroyed. They don't want their kids indoctrinated into all kinds of, uh, all kinds of modern theories of, of what we should be doing. They want education. They want to go to church. And I think, like I've said, I think most of them are very good people who want a better life. And a liberal socialist life is what they're trying to escape in the first place because they see what happens. So I think the plan may not work out the way our friends on the left hope. Uh, I think we're seeing a, a lot of, uh, of young Hispanic people coming here and becoming very conservative. We see some of the new congresspersons, um, young lady from Texas, Hispanic, and very conservative. And she won an election that a Republican hasn't held a seat since the Civil War. So I think that may run against them. Uh, that may run against them in the long run. And I think that's the bright side here. But I don't think they're doing it because they love these people, they care about these people. No, they see something in it for themselves, which that fact, and I believe it is a fact. Maybe you believe different, but I believe it is a fact. That That's why they're doing this. Is a horrible thing to do. You talk about, DeSantis is using these people as pawns. Um, that's exactly what our friends in the left are doing here using all of these people as pawns, as a way that they think to change the country, to get the power that they want to do the things they want to do. They're using these people, and they're bringing them here. They're having them march for thousands of miles. How about, was there any outrage when a truck was found with 50 of these migrants dead in the truck on the side of the road? And we say, why is our border open? Why are we allowing this? How about all the women and the children that are sexually abused all along the way? How about the power we're giving to the cartels in the amount of money that they're getting from all of these people to try and get here. And how about the 107,000 young Americans that are in their graves today because of fentanyl? Now, where's fentanyl coming from? From China. Who's at odds with us? China. Sending it through where? Through our open southern border. 107,000 young people died because of fentanyl. See, so I'm trying to make my case here that when we look at how policies work out, we have to look at the end result, not the, uh, the oh, the rosy colored, oh, it'd be so much better if we're just, if everyone would just not be able to. And then when you actually see it laid out in front of you, as it actually happens in the streets of America, you start to say, which policies are better? Which policies are better? Conservative uh, America first kind of policies, care about our citizens first, right? Strong military, strong power around the world, no chaos in our streets, no crime. It's a whole nother thing. We talk about crime for three days. There are cities in America now that were great cities are no longer, are no longer safe places at all. And crime is now coming out into the suburbs because there's no, the whole liberal idea is criminals have been mistreated for years and therefore we have to just understand them. And I guess, I guess they're supposed to say, uh, hey, listen, I'm a robber and a raper, and uh, now that everyone's listening to me, paying attention, I, I guess I'll stop robbing and raping. You really think that's what happens? Or do you think they rob and rape more? Well, look at the statistics. Go look at facts, right? Not your opinions. Go look at facts, and you'll see. Crime is out of control. You and your family can be victimized at any moment now. Any moment in our country, anyone can be victimized in a way we never have been before. Is that better? 
Does that make it better? Because, oh, we're so progressive now and we do all this other nonsense stuff. Oh, we're so Are we better? No, we're not better. Are you better off having to spend? Imagine somebody who's making uh, $70,000 a year. Okay, that's the average in America, I think, is 66000 So let's go 70000 Somebody's just above, you know, that average American salary. And now you're going to take five and 6000 more dollars off of them uh, because of inflation. They can't move. They can't get a mortgage. They can't afford it. A mortgage that was $1,700 a month is now like $2,600. That's a lot of money for lots and lots of people. And that's a direct result of policy. Policy and concepts and ideas of how to govern. So now we've had the clearest examples we could possibly ever have. And if you've got your eyes open, your ears open, and your mind open, you cannot look at what's going on in our country and in this world right now and not see the damage that liberal uh, socialist policies cause. We see it every single day before our very eyes. I, again, I'm not saying that people who believe those things are bad. I think they have a, an idea of what they think they're doing is probably going to be better. But we can all see it, what we're living, right in front of us. It's not better. It's much, much worse. And we have to be aware of that. We have to pay attention to that. Okay? So listen, I, I covered some of this stuff. I, I have so much more to cover. I'm going to tell you something about real quick. The Chasing Justice players will be doing a teleplay uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're all going to get together. We're going to do a teleplay. And it's about free speech. It's about what's going on in America. And it's called The Trial of Malcolm Out Loud. That's right. Our glorious leader here at America Out Loud. Uh, we're using uh, some characters uh, from the Chasing Justice players to point out some very important things. So I'll keep you updated on that. But that's coming soon, too. Now, listen, in the meantime, have a good day. Remember that great story I told at the beginning that there is hope in the world, right? Hopefully we can all find a way to get along, right? We got the holidays coming. Let's, let's take a deep breath and be Americans once again. Remember, be a part of the solution, not the problem. This is Lieutenant Joe saying, see you down the road.